many church leaders, like after Sunday, they come back um, and they are incredibly lonely just because we are building community as a profession, right? And just because we are around community doesn't mean that we have community. Welcome to the Wellspring Soul Care Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Gotthart, and I'm part of the Wellspring team. At Wellspring and Soul Care, we deeply desire to help pastors, leaders, and others serve God and others from a well-tended inner life and a deeply connected life with God. We offer retreats, other resources, a nine-month cohort for pastors and nonprofit leaders, and this podcast is another resource we hope will serve both our Soul Care alumni and the Christian community at large. We talk to pastors and thought leaders, authors, and others. In today's conversation, we talk to one of our own Soul Care alumni, David Kim. David is discipleship pastor at Westgate Church in San Jose. He was, previously was interviewed by us to talk about a children's book that he wrote and kind of unexpectedly got known for. But now he's written a book called Made to Belong. It's a journey to discussing the epidemic of loneliness in our deeply connected but relationally disconnected age. It's aimed at the church, but really has a wide audience in view. It's well-researched. It's well thought through. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation on a deeply relevant topic. Enjoy our conversation today with David Kim. Well, David, it is so good to, to talk to you uh, again. In fact, uh, we'll refer people back to an earlier podcast we did with your first book, which was, of all things, a, a beautiful children's book about your journey growing up um, as someone uh, new to the United States as a child from another country. And um, it is a wonderful thing. And, and in some ways, I, I, I think, I don't know, ironically, or un, I don't know if intentionally, but that really... That background story has a lot to do, it seems to me, with the journey in writing this book, which is made to belong, and it's about community and connection. Um, did you did you imagine that this book, your most recent one, would be one you would write, or that this was what would be on your heart to write about belonging and addressing loneliness? Yeah, thanks for having me again, and and sure. it's it's just. Yeah, it's a wild journey. I mean, writing wasn't something that I was looking for or trying to uh, explore on my own strength. But, you know, God has a way of just opening doors, unexpected doors. And so as I wrote the kids book about change uh, and as I processed some of the journey of coming to America as an immigrant, as a Korean American immigrant, I think I realized that man, like so much of my journey journey is marked with loneliness. Mm. And um, as you know, and we know as Christian leaders, uh, God has gifted us with, uh, with this beautiful thing called the Christian community, our local mm. church. Uh, but often um, uh, it, it does not <laughs> strengthen, if we're honest, uh, mm. our journey of community and belonging. Sometimes it does, of course. Uh, 
And I thought about that. And as a pastor of discipleship at Westgate Church, and as I also have a team that cares for life groups or small groups, however you want to call it in your own community, uh, the conversation became like, are we, have we deeply thought about small group models and, and are we doing all that we can? I know everybody's doing their best, but have we thought about um, some of the challenges that we're facing now in a culture of loneliness, isolation, and disconnection? Mm-hmm. And um, is, there, um, is there some ways in which we can make it 5% better. That's all. And, mm. and it was my own journey and it's, uh, and I'm thinking about my own church community and hopefully it could be something that we could talk about for the larger church community. Yeah. It, it's such a timely, timely um, book and, and topic, obviously, you know, the issue of loneliness seems to be, I think it was Vivek Murthy, uh, Murphy, the previous servant in general who n- named uh, loneliness as a basically as an epidemic, a pandemic mm-hmm. of our time. So it's obviously both uh, outside the church, if you will, the the wider community, and uh, but also inside the church. And I so appreciate you naming. Sometimes we say, well, you know, the answer isn't just we'll join a church. You'll find community there. Um, I mean, you may, and you may find some wonderful community, and hopefully you will. But but the church has its challenges, and I, I so appreciate the honesty with which you named and addressed those challenges in this book. Um, yeah, a, a lot of us, we long to belong. I mean, we want community. We want deeper friendships, deeper spiritual friendships. Uh, but most of us just don't know how. And so mm. this book that I wrote is really a practical book to invite small group leaders, small groups uh, folks to sit together and say, how do we continue to deepen our understanding of belonging and how do we practice that together? At the end of the day, you know, we as leaders and pastors, uh, we just need practical sometimes answers. Uh, yeah. Often it's nice to just say, join a church and find belonging and you're good to go, right? It's easy to say those large, big statements, but people might be really asking, but pastor, how? And right. and, and so the invitation is to say, as, as we're continuing to be distracted with such a uh, you know, digital devices and and um, busyness and and just social media and all that world is uh, throwing at us. I think the invitation is to take intentional steps to deepen uh, our community and our journey to belong. That's so that's so true. And I think what is what is great about your book too, David, is it's not just okay. Let's uh, diagnose because there is there is diagnostic. You know, I mean, it, where is it coming from? Well, yes, it is the the digital devices that are at our fingertips. It is the many, the busyness and the distractedness of our age, but, but it's not just lamenting those things. It's saying, well, what is a way forward? What are some very practical steps? And so with that, there's, there's five priorities that you, you get into and, and right away. And I want to jump right in then to the very first practice, which is priority that you name, which is, I mean, maybe you could say more about that. Like, what does it mean in a in real terms, like many people would say, well, of course, I know I need relationships. And of course, I need community. Yes, it's a priority. But could you speak more to that? Like, w- what would actually represent it being an actual priority yeah. in our life? So I, yeah, so I talk about kind of the five practices, and they are intentionally in order. They're in sequence mm-hmm. for a reason. And they are priority, chemistry, uh, vulnerability, empathy, and accountability. And 
and and it's important that they are in order first and foremost uh because um like for example if accountability is first then what's going to happen is like richard like i'm just going to like call out something in you and i don't mm-hmm. i don't even know who you are i don't even know mm-hmm. your journey and mm-hmm. in the sake of being a christian or calling out your sin like i'm just going to start confronting you and rebuking you and and there's a, new, a way in which we have to do these steps well in order and so mm-hmm. with that i anchored the first uh, practice with the practice of priority mm-hmm. and and basically what i'm saying is that we live in a non-committal culture and so mm-hmm. um so we're we're just dabbling in many communities and relationships and but we're not really all in on anything and so what mm-hmm. that does is that unless we start with commitment as the first kind of priority or anchor uh nothing will really build from that and so the invitation is to take community, take relationships seriously, and the way you are most intentional about certain things is what I say is that you have to build structure around it. Mm-hmm. And that's really important to us, right? Like, so it's, so to say, like, I'm really, uh, I'm really passionate about being healthy and losing weight. Uh, mm-hmm. You can be intentional about that. But the way to be really intentional about that is to build some kind of structure and framework and rhythms in your life to say that, yes, that is the when you look at my calendar, you will see that that is the most important thing. And mm-hmm. so the way I've done it is every Tuesday night from 7 to 10 p.m., I block that off on my calendar with my wife's permission. And mm-hmm. unless there's a emergency, uh, a family emergency, uh, I say, Nina, that those three hours I am devoted to growing in my journey of community with my men, men's group. And uh, may I have your uh, support and blessing. And so that's something in which where uh, I am framing my life around the very thing that I'm saying that it is a priority. Yeah, and so for some, it could be great. just like Sunday morning. And mm. and like for you, that's your first step, right? For some, mm. it could be, right? So everybody has their first step. And so I want to honor that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it, because it's easy to say Yes, it's important, but that you get really and you not only build a case, you know, biblically and how we're made and what we need, but you say, but but then it's like not only yes, we need it, but what are we actually? What is a next step? What is a? I, I love that you get really um, specific and tangible. In fact, you um, you talk about Robin Dunbar's work on you know the kinds of um, levels if you will numerically of relationships and and he gets down to like you know we can maintain about 150 that's kind of his relationships but but really you're kind of zeroing in on the closer in a more more you know like 15 good friends he would say or five intimate friends or so but i love that you you actually get super super pragmatic where you just say okay how to do this step one make a list of significant people in your life I mean, just really direct. Uh, what what prompted that to just say, okay, let's just get into the, you know, the detail of it. Make a list and then start kind of going from there. Yeah, um, I began to realize that while the quantity of relationships are important, of course, you know, God sends many people in our way. Uh, more and more in my own formational journey, I'm realizing that it is actually about the quality of relationships. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And that, um, and so 
how do I deepen some of the ones that God is highlighting in my life? Well, then I have to be intentional and I have to prioritize and mm. I need to commit to that. And so, yeah. So in that sense, I, I chose priority as the, as the first step in which we build all things. We build our communities and we build everything around it. David, I'm curious in the research, and you did a lot of research, and this is well a well-researched uh, work that you've done. Did you did you notice, this is maybe a stereotype, but did you notice, do men in general, more broadly, do, do men struggle to prioritize relationships more than, more than women do? Yes. Um, and that's both kind of a national and global surveys. And practically in our own lives as we explore that, and even in Christian communities. And what I've begun to notice is that men, I mean, there is a societal pressure that you have to be a, a, a typical men, right? A strong man should be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. right and and strong and you don't need other people like you can do everything with your own strength mm-hmm. and so there's already that kind of a pressure that plays around it and 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 often i've began to realize that in conversations men tend to again this is general i, I don't want to i don't want to over oversimplify men here but tend to stay in conversations around um events and ideas but they never get down to the third layer of communication, which is feelings and emotions, like your yeah. fears and hopes and dreams. Mm-hmm. And so it's always about news and events and your, you know, your next project and goals. But it just the invitations go deeper. And and many men have not been trained in that. And also mm-hmm. the society tells you that that's not what it means to be a strong man anyways. Right. And we don't want to be perceived as is weak or needy or. Yeah. Emotional has a, has a negative connotation, right. In our culture, in our society. And of course, as you know, we've said often in in this podcast and what we do at Wellspring and soul care is that of course, God made us with these, you know, with relational needs. I mean, I I don't know how old I was when I first heard, you know, that, that it wasn't sufficient to just me and Jesus, like even just me and Jesus is not enough apparently because God and Adam were in, in perfect relationship. There wasn't any sin in the world. And yet God says, it's not good for him to be alone. And so we're made relation for relationship. Yes. With God, but with one another, right. That is, we, it is a built in need. It's a built in thing. Yeah. Like God made us, in community, right? The triune mm-hmm. God for mm-hmm. community. And so mm-hmm. it's in our nature to long mm-hmm. for it, desire it. And often, maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but often like churches, you know, God sending many folks in our way. And, and we, in our best attempt, we offer small group as the uh, model. And again, nothing, nothing, uh, I'm not knocking on it. I just think that small group models, we just have to be careful and be more intentional about it. Oftentimes, leaders, we use small group models as a place in which we, um, we use kind of the church growth strategy, if we're mm, honest. Mm. And um, so basically what that what I'm saying is, is that it's mainly used as a tool for, for multiplication. So let's wait until the group grows. And once it grows, let's split the group and let's let's now have two groups and then invite more folks in and then let's grow that group and then let's split it again, right? It's great because there's that kind of that missional uh, um, desire and longing to that. Again, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that posture uh, to evangelize and to grow, but 
But if we're trying to build deeper relationships in which we're building trust, which takes a long time and be vulnerable and open and confess our sins, if we're constantly splitting the folks that God is deepening in my life, where am I going to now do that? And where am I going to have a place where I'm seen and known? Because I'm constantly, my group's constantly getting multiplied and split. And so, um, and then now who's holding me accountable to that? And so we just need to rethink our small group model. And that's one of the invitations of this book. Yeah, in fact, I would just say, we'll just kind of pivot to this for, for, for our conversation here is as a pastor for many years and, you know, still uh, very much involved with the church uh, broadly is that we've had for several decades now, kind of the default setting, if you will, is for churches just to say, yes, we are relational. Um, and I think you even you distinguish in your book too the difference between being a friendly church and a place where you can actually make deep friendships. That's very different. Right. What lots <laughs> of churches are friendly, you know, like you show up and people are nice and smile, and that I mean that's good as opposed to being unfriendly. But that doesn't mean that there are deep friendships. And and so we've had this model that's basically said, well, we've got something for that. It's small group, so get in a small group and you're good to go, and we'll just do that. And I, I would just say, again, my my take on it, too, from reading your book, too, David, is that the next to the last chapter where you really dive into some of these things for at a at a church leadership level. Um, I mean, the book itself is great. That that chapter alone could be, as you say in it, could be its own whole book. But it's also like if you're a church leader, it, even if you feel like I, I got a good handle on on relationships in my life, which you may or may not, that's great. But get that, get the book and read that chapter and, and listen to the questions. But so talk about that a little bit. Let's just dive into that. Because as you said, sometimes the issue is, isn't just, um, well, I'm in a small group, but if the church is using small groups as a, a sort of a growth engine, right, we're going to keep growing them and multiplying them. And so maybe the people come and go from my small group a lot, or my group keeps splitting. Um, it's hard to build depth and trust, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, yeah. What what else gets in the way in in the typical church small? Yeah, group? I, I think uh, when it's just primarily content based small mm. group. So let's just mm. regurgitate the sermon again. Mm-hmm. I'm sure your sermons are great, and and <laughs> and 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 it's important, and and Bible studies are important as uh, teaching is. Uh, you know, central to our formational journey with Jesus, right? So it's not mm-hmm. a knock on that, but once mm-hmm. it's just content, we can get good content now anywhere and everywhere, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so if you spend all of your time just discussing the content, the, the conversation should be like, what is the content doing in your life? And and mm-hmm. what is God doing in your own soul in light of the content? The, the emphasis should be more about your own soul's journey with and the struggles with the content more than just regurgitating the material self. Or sometimes the the main emphasis is just like churches, lack of better words, like churches agenda. Like these are the announcements that's coming down mm-hmm. the pipeline and we will use church group, uh, small groups as a way. Again, again, it's important to communicate to our people. And I get mm-hmm. that. I, again, I, am in a church. And so I hear you. And so, and I feel the pain. And I know that many leaders listening to this, you long for deep and deeper communities of your church folks. And so the invitation actually is that the greatest way to 
grow our churches that, I mean, Jesus said it. Uh, Jesus said, if you love one another, they will know, mm-hmm. right? Like they, mm-hmm. they will know. And so there's a draw in which like, as we love one another, people know that you are my disciples and people will see that, wow, there's something really special and beautiful happening. Those mm-hmm. friendships are so different. Those communities, the way they care and love and support and hold each other accountable. Like I don't see that anywhere else with mm-hmm. both grace and kindness and mm-hmm. with truth and like and so that will actually draw more people into your community and so instead of just quickly doing this multiplication model what happened if we just invite people to a deeper friendship and may that be the drawing which other folks will come to your church and so again i understand the struggle right we all want to in some sense grow our church both numerically and in spiritually and deepening wise and so uh, uh, i want to kind of yeah have us kind of reconsider or rethink about these things that's so good i i think too we're we're if we're really you know paying attention we'll notice that the the culture around us. And of course, we're here in Silicon Valley, and it's not exactly a, a I will say it's not exactly church uh, world in a sense of like people aren't, aren't looking for church. They're skeptical, uh, maybe cynical about churches. And so I think to your point too, David, if people come to a church or they come to a small group and they feel like somebody's got an agenda, you know, that's that's really not about them but about the institution or the organization, that's going to, you know, that's going to turn people off and push them away. So I think it is, there really are asking that question. People are, I think all of us are, can I be seen and known and valued and loved here just for who I am? So, so, so that'll, so what are the practices then that this will kind of, we're kind of coming up, we're jumping around a little bit here, but one of the practices that we talk a lot about in churches, in small groups, is accountability. And that is one of your core practices. But but I, I appreciated the way you you were so sensitive to the way that word and that term gets maybe misused or more probably misapplied um, in a lot of right. settings. Can you speak about, you know, what, what do you see account, what's healthy accountability? What isn't it? And what is it in the context of, of real community and connection? Yeah. So I said earlier, right? Like if you start with accountability, right? right. <laughs> uh, then, I mean, that's what we would call in our church world, spiritual abuse, right? Like, mm. like you don't even know my story and you're just mm. going at it, right? And mm. so basically what that is, is it's just unfolding a church or church leader's agenda, his or her frustration in your life, right? Mm-hmm. That's all that is. But if in a real accountability, in a biblical Christ-centered, God-honoring accountability, it is really the definition that I've come up with. It is really uh, coming alongside one another to help them become all that Jesus is inviting them to be, mm-hmm. right? That's how mm-hmm. I have come to understand accountability, Mm -hmm. right? It's coming alongside one another to help them become all that God is doing in their life. And so it's paying attention to what God is doing in their life. And it's being sensitive and listening in and and seeing the stories that God is unfolding in them. And in that place, God, would you give me wisdom, discernment to partner with you and your spirit in their life to come Mm -hmm. alongside and to speak words of encouragement and hope and correction and whatever that may be so that they could continue that path uh, yeah. uh, that Christ has set for them. And so, 
Um, yeah, that's kind of how I share so the good. book. And again, I love that, first of all, you called out and even named, you know, because we, we, where this term gets misused, as you said, and, and just calling out that when we say, I'm going to hold you accountable to, you know, whether it's my agenda or my, you know, my plan for your life and call it God's. I mean, I love that you call it like, that's abusive. Um, or, or starting maybe too quickly. It's like, Hey, I don't even, we don't even establish trust and a depth of relationship for you to, you know, just start, you know, um, telling me things or saying or correcting me, for example, how, how do you envision, uh, you know, healthy accountability developing in, let's say, let's right. talk, let's say a, a friendship or even in a small group. Totally. You know, we, I, so, state, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, I just say the standard thing I, you know, for many years in church was like, I have a set of questions I'm going to ask you, you know, did you, if it's guys like, did you look at porn? Did you, were you nice to your kids? Did you lie or cheat or steal? You know, that, I mean, maybe that's a little simplistic, but that's often kind of the level. Did you read your Bible? You know, that kind of stuff. And I mean, not that those are bad things, but it seems like accountability is is more than a checklist of do's and don'ts, right? Yeah. So kind of, yeah, to answer that question, I think it's helpful to kind of talk about the the middle practices, right? Mm-hmm. The So I, I talk about priority. Uh, that's the first one. And then mm-hmm. we get into chemistry. And chemistry is really interesting because mm-hmm. it is, uh, people will say, you know, um, some folks will say, well, that doesn't even sound Christian, right? Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean chemistry? I, I thought we're supposed to love all. And I think there's a way where I talk about in the book that Jesus was able to love all and still uh, care for the 12. And even in the 12, he had an intimate relationship with the three, his inner yeah. circle that we, you would call. And in the most troubled times, he leaned into the three, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, chemistry is giving Christians the permission. I felt so guilty kind mm-hmm. of leaning into some of the relationships that God was highlighting because I'm called to love all, right? And mm-hmm. I think we can love all and still invest into the few that God is highlighting. And so chemistry is about shared values and shared interests and and humor and laughter and food. And I think that's all beautiful things to build community. Mm-hmm. And once you do that, you get into now the third piece, which is vulnerability. And I think mm. now you have the the space in which to open up and to really allow people to see yourself and see one another. As you know, we've been hiding since the beginning, right? Since mm-hmm. Genesis, right? Since Eden days. And so, so once I begin to share my life, then you get to notice, and I'm connecting this with accountability. Yeah. You get to see some of the similar themes and, and similar uh habits and similar uh, comments that I'm making. Like, for example, maybe like I, as I kind of share about my life, you kind of notice, and this really happened where a friend said, man, like you, like the way you talk about your boss lately. Um, and I won't mention which boss that is. <laughs> I have many bosses. And so, man, I noticed that you, you, the way you talk about this boss, like I think God, God is inviting you to pay attention to that because you, uh, there's a very negative way that you've been kind of saying that. And this was a few years ago. And so, uh, um, people then see patterns and I think that's really helpful. So vulnerability, and then the fourth piece is empathy, right? And that's really important because 
once I open up, uh, have you ever been in meetings where you open up and then the small group, because of the sake of the next question that they need to get to, they just say, uh, okay, next, uh, we need to get to the fourth question now, right? right? It's like the most, uh, it just kills relationships and community, nothing, right? Like when, when you're, right. you're not met with empathy, right? And so mm. you pause and you lean in and say, how can we pray for you and support you? And once you are with empathy, that practice of empathy, I think now you have the permission and the authority to lean into their lives because I've, I've now journeyed with you. I now notice patterns and I, and I have leaned in and prayed with you and cried with you and supported you in the process. So therefore, when I say, hey, I notice this in your life and I want to not only call that out in you, but I want to be part of the solution. So how can I support you in that process? Because now I'm committed to your life, right? And through the yeah. four practices. And I think that's the way God is inviting us to build community and friendship. I love that that that's that that progression too, because it, it's like you said, we don't we don't jump right into well, we've shared our stories, you know, and then now and now that we've and sometimes there can even be a forced vulnerability. It's like okay, share your story, you know, kind of back up <laughs> right. your truck, tell us your story, and now confess we confess all your sins. That's right. right. <laughs> yeah, now we have permission somehow, or as, as implied permission to to just you know jump in into the deep end with your life. And I think building on not only that, like you said, the priority, I I think that even the chemistry too, and saying, we're not going to have only certain people are going to have certain levels of permission, if you will, uh, to speak into our lives in certain ways. It's not, it's not just for everybody, right? Like, um, and and to say to somebody, I'm going to hold you accountable is just kind of a funny, almost a funny thing. I mean, it can be an ugly thing, but it's like, well, is, does the relationship, is it built to the level to hold that, right? We, if we walk through the, is there enough chemistry? I love that. And, and then, you know, vulnerability and even empathy. I, do I, do I, do I, am I a project for you? Do I see that you genuinely care about <laughs> right. Me, right? Right. Right. Mm. And and I saw this and like fully unfold in my life many times and and um, kind of connecting into my first podcast with um, Steve and Dana, who were uh, a big part of my life. You know, they were uh, Steve. He um, he's still on staff at Westgate Church. He was the former lead pastor at Westgate Church. I remember about five, six years ago when I got into when our family got into that severe car accident. Yeah. Um, Man, the way Steve, Dana, and our elders and leadership leaned in, they prioritized us, right? Mm. We already had great chemistry and we, and then they, um, and, and, and the way um, they leaned in with their vulnerabilities and shared about their own struggles and, and, and they empathized with our pain. I mean, they did all of that for us in our own journey. And I mm. remember like recovering from the accident, like Steve said, like, David, we're our, our church. We are committed to your family. And again, prioritizing and we, we, we care about you. We're going to lean in, right? Empathy, all of that. It was all there. And then mm-hmm. Steve said, um, once you get well, um, we want to hire you back, but there's going to be a one interview question. And I was like, well, first, that's great. I only get one interview question to come back. Uh, uh-huh. That's awesome. And he said, and I said, what is that question? And Steve said, well, the question is actually not to you. 
And I said, uh, oh, that's strange. And he said, the interview question will be to your wife, Nina. And I said, what? And he said, well, during this accident, what you've begun to share with us is that you've begun to realize how much you've prioritized your work and your achievements mm-hmm. over your family. And I believe that I've noticed that pattern in your life. Again, vulnerability as mm-hmm. him and I, we've been doing life. And he said, so in the next months or a year ahead, as you recover and as you heal, I want you to prioritize your wife and your children. And my commitment and my interview question will be to your wife. At the end of your healing journey, I'm going to ask her, did David prioritize you and your kids? Wow, that's beautiful. And if she says yes, I will hire you. But if she Mm. says no, we will move on. And that final piece of accountability, it, it, it stung, but he... He sees my life, you know? He mm-hmm. he knows me. He knows my family. And he's seen the repeated patterns. He's empathized with me. They supported our family throughout our healing journey. Mm. And they leaned in. But they did not leave it there. At the end of the day, the goal of Christian community is to encourage one another in our journey of Christ uh, forming us into more like Christ, right? And so that peace came with such care and gentleness but with precision. Yeah. And um, I think I believe that's the invitation. David, this this so much of this book is so um, vulnerable. Um, I mean, you share so many um, accounts from your own life. In fact, you open with a pretty hard hard letter from a a, a friend that I like I read it and I'm like wow I don't know if I'd put that in a book because <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I didn't look so good in that but you, um where a friend said basically you weren't a good friend to me and yet as you unpack your story this was from your kind of adolescence right and the and and I you know I don't know if that person was just venting you know in this letter and then but but you you also unpack even to have I would say empathy for yourself as to what was going on in your own life. So, you know, this person was saying, Hey, you know, you didn't, you didn't act in these ways as a good friend to me, but as the story, as you, as you reveal parts of your story going on, you, you talk, talk about a little bit about what, what was going on for you that made it difficult for you to be able to show up for another person. I mean, there was a lot that you were dealing with in, in that season of life too. Right. And I mean, growing up, I had no idea. I was just in so much pain and I didn't Mm. even know that I was in pain. Right. I mean, coming Mm. to America when I was 10, I I had to start all over new language, (laughs) culture, friendship, neighborhood, community, like even food, like everything changed before my eyes and I had to navigate and start all over. And in that process, I think I was just so lost and I wanted to be seen, known and cared for and just wasn't happening. And so I think in my own ways, uh, through um, a lot of online gaming, pornography and shopping and just all sorts of ways, I think I was just soothing my pain of this, this young David who just needed care and he didn't know how. And so Mm -hmm. I had a lot of coping mechanisms to um, 
just distract myself. And so I couldn't show up for anyone else, really. Mm -hmm. And so when he called that out in me, I'm like, oh, man, like, yeah, I'm not making excuses, but I'm like, man, like, oh, boy, like, there's a lot of work I need to do in my own life. And and maybe God did send me people, but I just could. I didn't even have the 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 eyes or the awareness to even see that, you know. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, I I resonate with. And and that's a and I think that's a that is an important part of of relationship building too is that you know as you as you look at your own journey and the wounds that you were experiencing you know you talk about man so much dramatic change and and feeling like an outsider and longing to belong and and how that took a long time and a and a difficult journey to get there but as you did that. It, it, as you look, as you dealt with your own pain, then you you had not only eyes to see, but greater capacity to to offer care to other people, right? I mean, I think that's that seems to be a critical part of the journey too. Is why we deal with our own wounds and pain is is not just for our own healing. It's it's also so that we can, you know, be able to come alongside other people too. Yeah. So I think. Right off the bat, I think chapter two, I talk about, yeah, like our barriers to belonging mm-hmm. and so much of our family of origin and childhood wounds mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and our attachments and all of that. It affects the way we build community. And so this is why it's so sometimes I understand why, but it's so unhelpful when you just go up on stage and say, why aren't you joining small group? Just belong and commit, right? Like people are like, but I have so much pain. And so... We have to come alongside so that they can begin to process some of that stuff because they don't even know how to engage with one another. I mean, even our, you know, the emotional intelligence data over the last 10, 15 years, it's been declining every Mm -hmm. year. And we don't even know how to even have a conversation anymore. We don't Mm -hmm. even know how to like, like look at someone in the eye properly. Right. And Mm -hmm. so there's like so much pain and our social intelligence, emotional intelligence is going down. And so we need a lot of help. And so this book is just a, 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 supposed to be just a helpful resource for Mm -hmm. our communities and our small group leaders who are trying to do it with their best, uh, with all that they are able, you know, uh, have the abilities to do. And they just don't know how to continue that conversation. This is supposed to just be a helpful resource for all of us and for me and to deepen our communities together. Well, and it really is too, David, you've given a, um, a, uh, I would say it's a primer on community and it is, one of the things that I really appreciated about it too, and I said this to you before, just before we started recording, is that it's not a self-help book. I mean, those are it, it has it is very helpful, but it, you you really grounded really every every element of um, of these practices and journey in in scripture and in God's truth. Um, Talk about that. What, how did, you know, the interplay between what you were reading out there, if you will, because you did a ton of research um, and, and rooting that in scripture, how, how did that interplay work for you as you were uh, researching and writing this book? Yeah. I mean, as a pastor, first and foremost, and as a mm-hmm. discipleship pastor, like we we are building these communities, not so that we can just build them, uh, but that we are building it in order to 
help us form more and more into Christ-likeness. And so I really thought that building an intentional community around Jesus is uh, the best way that we build a holistic and authentic community. And so... um, and and so I didn't want to just build a, com- a community book for the sake of fighting against loneliness, though that's an mm-hmm. important piece. Mm-hmm. The goal is that I, I that we would support one another in our journey of becoming more like Jesus. And so uh, I think that anchored me to not just critique kind of the cultural moment and name some of the challenges of building and forging deep communities, loneliness, isolation, and digital devices as we live in uh, Silicon Valley. But how does this all form and move us into becoming the kind of people who love God and love one another and love the world well? And, um, and so I I did my best to anchor in that reality. You really did. It's it's very robust uh, biblically, and I think that you know because as we're you know seeing, there's a book out now by uh, one of the uh, authors of the or or, particip- or leaders, I guess I would say, of this this really long longitudinal um, study from Harvard on happiness, the the whole happiness project, and at the core of it, you know, distilled is relationships. Relationships are um, what are at the core of people that would report themselves to be happy. And yet we're, so we'd say it's not just a means to an end, you know, be in community because as you belong, you'll be more happy. That's true, but it's not the only goal, right? It is, it is the community is what helps us is a critical foundational piece of what, uh, what helps us become more like Jesus. And right. um, Yeah. I mean, like, I thought about this the other day. Um, God designed us so that we can't see ourselves, hmm. right? Like, hmm. And so we, and and that was part of his unique intent in designing us. And so I need you, Richard, right? And and we need one another to, hmm. to help us see ourselves more clearly, right? Hmm. That we become mirrors uh, to one another and... And um, I think that's mm. intentional. So I don't think we can actually become all that we are meant to be without community. Yeah. I don't think we can be the, the 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 kind of people, the 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 true disciples of Christ, who um, without the the gift and and leaning into the power of intentional community. And I use that word intentional intentionally like Mm -hmm. it's not just showing up on a sunday though that's important Mm -hmm. and it's not just showing up to a bible study though that's important but it's really finding opportunities to forge deeper uh, christ-centered friendships yeah this this book is a real gift and i am so grateful for it i think it is an excellent resource for um i think small group leaders church leaders um Really, anybody though can can learn more where wherever your, people are at in their you know journey of in friendship. But is this our audience is you know a more aimed at church leaders and faith leaders and um, what you know as we kind of get ready to wrap up our interview here? What um, what what would be some of your desires or dreams if you could say or words of encouragement to? Um, to, to church leaders yeah. Uh, around, yeah, yeah. around these things. Um, 
I would say as a church leader myself, um, I, w- I was just talking to a friend who said, who oversees kind of one of those like church, like pastors, like job search engines. And, mm-hmm. and uh, they say that Sunday nights and Monday mornings are where the greatest hits come from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I resonate with that, right? Mm-hmm. How many church leaders, like after Sunday, they come back um, and they are incredibly lonely just because we are building community as a profession, right? Mm-hmm. And just because we are around community doesn't mean that we have community. Mm-hmm. And uh, the invitation, and especially the invitation for church leaders, is that oftentimes we don't know how to forge belonging in our community because we don't have that for ourselves. Yeah. Where we are open and honest and vulnerable and where we can take off our titles, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not Pastor David Kim in my men's group, mm-hmm. uh, that I'm just David, and mm-hmm. where they see me for who I am. And and I would say the invitation is that we continue to guard our own belonging journey, mm-hmm. our own places where we can be fully seen and fully known, uh, and where we can be loved and cared for and called out. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I have a, um, I I host kind of a gathering for newcomers uh, for Westgate Church and the newcomers questions have changed over the years. And I've been doing Mm. this now for six, seven years. And in the last three years, the one of the first questions and the most repeated question that we get asked is who's keeping the, the the senior leadership team accountable. Yeah. And, um, and whew, right. And it's an invitation (laughs) for all of us to say, let's guard our own belonging journey and let's prioritize as we're telling our people to prioritize community. Uh, uh, let's prioritize mm. our own journey and where we have a safe space for ourselves. Yeah. And from that place, let's offer the gift of community and belonging. That's so good. And I, I just would really reiterate that as we, you know, at Wellspring and we get, we journey with, uh, with literally hundreds of uh uh, pastors, faith leaders, nonprofit leaders, what we are finding more and more increasingly is that, um, as you said, pastors, many, many leaders are, are lonely. And we say, well, it's kind of part of, goes with the territory. And it does to a certain extent. Sure. But like you said, do we, do we prioritize it ourselves? Do we, and, and, and I would say, you know, you, you can, you may, you hopefully will find a certain amount of community within your context within your church and and that you should be intentional about pursuing that but you probably are also going to need safe and separate spaces outside of that church setting if you're a leader there especially where because certain things that you deal you're dealing with you know or or um, you are you're not able to share because of things uh that people that are involved and but do you have somewhere that's safe and separate and and even sacred and we use those words to talk about even what we try and offer in soul care and with our soul care alumni at wellspring is that you know we're not the only but a place that people can be a a place and space where people can can um pursue or cultivate you know those kind of connections and and that it's not just well that's a bonus as i appreciate so much of what you've been saying david this is this is essential essential for our, our health and for thriving. So, yeah, I mean, Wellspring, uh, 
didn't pay me to say this. And <laughs> and I, I would say, yeah, Wellspring has been that place, one of the places mm. for me. And 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 thank you guys and your leadership team. Really grateful for that. And what mm. a gift to the Bay Area leaders. And and um, I would say even yeah, spiritual direction too. Like Terry mm-hmm. as my spiritual director, like yeah. creating that kind of safe space where I can just come just as I am and um, and explore all that God is doing in my life. And so, mm. just want to say thank you to you guys mm. and and the gift that you guys are to the leaders. And we so mm. desperately uh, need it, and we're grateful mm. for you. Thank you, David, and thank you, thank you for the gift of this book. Um, we'll, um, obviously in our show notes, um, you know, uh, put where you can find it and, and, uh, and how you could connect with David is, uh, you might want to reach out if you, um, have more questions. So David, thank you so much for, for this conversation, for this book and both timely and essential and, um, and for the great work you're doing. So thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. for joining us for today's conversation. If you found it helpful, feel free to share this podcast with others and subscribe to it on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you found us and give us a rating. We'd really appreciate that as well. Again, if we can serve you as part of Wellspring, we are here to serve the church, both its leaders and people in whatever ways we can. So go to wellspringca.org to see what resources we have to offer and how you can be served by them go to our Facebook page. Just search Wellspring on Facebook and you'll see lots of resources there as well. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, grace and peace.